good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, is Levin Black. What up, Levin? Not a whole lot. We actually got something to talk about for once. See, you say not a whole lot, and then you pre- then you follow it up with, we have something to talk about. So clearly there's something going on. By the way, this is episode 42 of the Niners Nation podcast, and there is only one choice for who we dedicate this episode to today. Levin, I'm giving you one shot, and if you don't get it, you cannot host any more shows on this network. Uh, gee, I can't think of anybody. No, Ronnie Lott. It is Ronnie Lott. This is usually the time in the pod where I you know kind of wax poetic about how good this person is if you don't know how good ronnie lot was or who ronnie lot was that's on you google it you need to do some homework before you finish listening to the rest of this episode he's ronnie freaking lot he is on the 49ers mount rushmore and that is that uh kyle shanahan just spoke he literally got off the podium moments ago as we record this and the big news of the day 11 is that the 49ers have canceled the mandatory minicamp next week now kyle went out of his way to explain you know what i'll play it for you here's kyle's explanation for why they are canceling minicamp we're still gonna keep the rookies around here for a little bit some more than others um kind of decided a while ago we weren't going to do minicamp you know i I rarely do do minicamp when we get nine OTAs in. We usually do one practice, and then we have like a team building thing. Having 89 guys here and getting seven OTA practices in, um, I felt great about it. So you heard him say in there, Levin, that they had great attendance at OTAs and that they were planning on canceling camp anyway and all this stuff about how this was already in the works. My question to you is, do you buy it? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I would buy it. I don't think they had a plan months in advance. I think it depended on how many people showed up. If he had something where some vets showed up in the beginning and some vets couldn't show up till week two, they probably would have had that extra week so that everybody gets the time in. But so many people showing up for it, I think once they knew that, they decided that they're not going to do the full OTA that they need to, minicamp. I don't know if, I, I mean, I, I doubt that he would drastically change the schedule uh, but I, I think it's also naive to say that the injuries had no part in it whatsoever. You know, I, I agree that they probably had this in the works depending on how many guys showed up to OTAs. But the fact that they've already lost three guys for significant chunks, if not all of the season, I think that played a factor in it. And whether he admits it or not, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to change my mind. Yeah, see, I, I don't think it played a factor in it because those guys just got hurt. Uh, at least two of them. And I, that would mean that he did be reactionary because if it was up in the air and then two people get hurt and he goes, all right, we're canceling it one day later, then that's him 100% reacting to the injuries. I think this was in the works long before those injuries and those injuries just made it even more cemented that, yeah, we're doing this. You mentioned the word reactionary and that's something that Kyle said today that I think is going to get him in a little bit of trouble. We're going to get to that. Uh, but before we do, he mentioned that Tarvarius Moore and Justin School went down three plays apart in practice. That is unbelievable. He went out of his way to say that Tarvarius Moore injured himself on air. So it wasn't, you know, it was a non-contact injury. Wilson injured himself getting out of a chair. And then Justin School said he put his foot down and his knee buckled. So Kyle went out of his way to kind of explain away the injuries, like to try and minimize it. You know, he didn't want to sound any alarms. But he said one thing, Levin, that I think is going to get him in trouble, and I'm going to play it for you 
Uh, I think that if he could do it over again, I don't think he would have said this. We change every year a little bit. You know, we always learn from stuff. But um, to sit and say we're going to do training camp differently because someone got hurt getting out of chair because someone got hurt on air and um, a person hurt his knee playing football, um, this would be pretty irresponsible of me and extremely reactionary. Um, we just try to do what's right for our guys and provide them football. And we try to do it the safest way as possible. I'm just saying it now. If the 49ers have training camp and guys start getting injured, that quote is going to resurface. It is going to stick to Kyle Shanahan forever. And I know for a fact that Grant Cohen already has it highlighted, saved, and ready to go for his article Mm -hmm. that he's probably already typing up now as we speak. See, I I take issue with that being brought back up if it ends up happening. Because the thing that you change isn't, necessarily how you do practice yes there have been some coaches out there and Kyle might have fallen into this early in his tenure where they do way too much contact in practice that they're doing contact constantly and you know they have a little bit more of an old school mindset and that leads to more injuries so yeah if you're one of those you should change but you don't change practices due to injuries you change who the hell you bring in on the team That's what the Niners need to do, and Kyle has touched on that, that this year, for the first time, they did kind of pay attention to injuries, and and I think the way he phrased it is they wanted to bring in guys that they knew they can count on for 16 games. Injuries happen. Even if a guy had played 10 years, fully healthy, there's no guarantee he's not going to get hurt with you. But injury prone is a thing. I don't give a shit what people like to, you know, people like to bring up medical experts who say, no, there's really not a way. You know how much we don't know about the bodies? You know how much we don't know about human biology? Like, people think we know everything. We don't. We're scratching the surface on it. We don't know what causes some players to constantly get injured. If we did, they would fix that so that they don't constantly get injured. It shows that they don't (laughs) know. But there is a trend that certain players constantly have the same injuries or injuries tied to the same parts of their body, constantly leg injuries or, or something along those lines. They are injury prone. And I did see a stat that I was trying to pull up while you were talking that the 49ers draft class this year, I believe, played in like 92% of their possible college snaps. And last year, same thing. The the draft class as a whole played over 90% of the snaps that they, you know, potentially could have played in college. So clearly the Niners are trying to adjust. Like they said, they're trying to bring in guys that do not get hurt. And like you said, there's that's no guarantee of anything, but that is all you can do at that point. But the other thing Kyle said is that you can't get ready to play football without playing football. And I just wonder, like, that's kind of an old school thinking. And Kyle, you know, he grew up in the game. His dad was obviously a very successful coach. Obviously, Mike Shanahan is an old school coach. And I wonder if that mentality has transferred over to Kyle that's a hard thing to admit that that needs to change, and maybe it does. And I'm not saying that the 49ers should do no football, but the idea that the only way to get ready for football is to play football, I'm not sure that that still holds up in 2021. Yeah, this is a topic that I, I'm kind of torn on because I do think that a lot of contact leads to injuries, but I also think that there's something to be said that this is almost like starting pitching in major league baseball, where the more you baby them, the more often they will get hurt. Once it's for real, the more you limit a starting pitcher being able to throw a bunch of pitches, 
the less likely he is to be able to throw more pitches without an injury. Pitchers back in the day used to throw all the time, and they didn't have as many injuries. Now they constantly have injuries because they never get to throw more than 100 pitches. I wonder how much of the contact stuff is that way and how much isn't. And last year was a great example because there wasn't much contact due to COVID. And we didn't actually see an uptick in injuries, if I'm not mistaken. So I wonder if it's like I've always thought it's like starting pitching, but I wonder if I'm wrong. And I think last year is something that should be studied in depth and teams should adjust based on what they saw. I don't agree with you on the pitching thing, but Kyle did bring that up. He did say, you know, last year we had no offseason because of COVID and we lost four people. And he said, basically, it's part of life. And that, you know, that is a true thing. Also, as much as you want to get on Kyle Shanahan and bang on him for he needs to change stuff. It's like, well, last year they didn't do anything and they still lost four people. So nothing is definite for sure. Uh, the one interesting thing I too that I I shouldn't say the one interesting thing, but one more interesting thing that Kyle said was basically, if you do nothing, it's a great way to get the guys to week one healthy, but it's not the best way to get them through a season healthy. And I that I thought was a very strong point. Like if if your goal is to only have your starters ready to go for week one, then yeah, cancel everything. But They have to play a whole season after that. And if your goal is to get them to survive that, there is a fine line you have to walk between, you know, preparing guys to go for the season and also working them too hard and avoiding injuries. Yeah, and that's why if you went to all 32 teams, all 32 teams would probably have a different amount of contact. It would be pretty similar. Certain teams would be very similar. But there's a reason why there's a very big differing of opinions amongst head coaches and even team doctors, I would bet if you took a poll, there would be a differing of opinions from team doctors on how much is too much and how much is too little. And that gets back to my original point. We don't know jack shit about the human body. We're only scratching the surface. I think we know a little. I mean, the neck bone's connected to the (laughs) backbone, right? Yeah. I didn't say we don't know anything. I said we're scratching the surface. I mean, look at the leaps and bounds of the last 50 years, both in the medical field overall uh, for illnesses and everything. And just like go look at bodybuilding and the differences from like pre-Arnold to post-Arnold. Like we're still learning how the body works and what the body reacts to well and what the body doesn't react to well. And Kyle did say many times throughout the press conference, as much as I played that quote for you and said it could get him in trouble, he did say well, they've changed a lot since they started. They change things every year. They try and balance out like heavy load days versus lighter days. And obviously you, you try to follow up a heavy day with a lighter day and things like that. So I don't want to make it seem like he has he's refusing to change anything. I'm just saying if he could have that one answer back, that might haunt him. And it doesn't matter if they have the softest program and system of all time Levin you know if these injuries keep happening he is going to get blamed and the training staff is going to get blamed even though they did change the training staff once already in the Kyle Shanahan era right and they changed it recently before that too if I'm not mistaken like I said the only thing that I push back on is to me the issue is more yeah maybe bring in D Ford but if you bring in D Ford maybe don't sign Quan Alexander or vice versa and, you know, you got Richard Sherman coming off a major injury. They signed him while well, he missed significant time in his 49ers tenure. You know, you drafted Nick Boza, who all we all knew had injury concerns, and that was the big injury con- 
are the big concern of him in the draft. That's just four guys on the defense all brought in around the same time. Maybe don't do all that. Now, Jimmy, we know pretty well, is injury prone at this point. He got injured in his uh, deflate gate stint. He had to start four games. He only started two of them uh, before Tom Brady came back because of injury. So at this point, you have to say he's injury prone with all the injuries he's also had with the 49ers. You would have to say Mostert's probably pretty injury prone at this point with the injuries that he's had crop up. The jury's still out on people like Debo and Ayuk because they have had some injuries, but they haven't really played long enough to know. But the point I'm making is nearly every single big name that has been brought in in the last couple of years had injury concerns. That's why you don't do that with every single one. Sometimes you go get the reliable guy whose upside might not be quite as high, but he's more reliable, more able to be counted on. And like I said, Kyle admitted earlier in this offseason that they have kind of changed their philosophy on that. And they're prioritizing a little bit more guys who they think can be counted on for 16 games. And that's why going forward, I really want to keep an eye on those guys. The guys that they have brought in since making that change, are those guys getting hurt? Because if they are, then that points me more into a a direction where, hey, maybe this is an organizational type of thing. Maybe there are some sort of fundamental aspects of the program that we need to change. But if they aren't, well, then I think it goes to what you and I have been talking about, which is the fact that injured guys get hurt. And when you get a bunch of them, you get a bunch of injuries. So that's what I'm going to look for going forward. You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Kyle also talked about Jimmy. He talked about Trey Lance. And he talked about one other guy on defense who's sort of a forgotten man who I know a lot of people, Niner Nate included, are very excited about coming back. So we'll get to all that after the break. We're back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. And now it's time to get into what quarterback news came out of Kyle Shanahan's press conference earlier on Wednesday. This was an interesting quote. It's going to get a lot of love. Um, I think people are going to ignore the most important part. So I want to play the full answer for you. Here's what Kyle Shanahan said about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy had his best spring since we've had him. We had the spring the first year with him. The second year he had the ACL, so we didn't get that. And then last year it was COVID. So this is really a second one not being on an ACL. And um, I thought Jimmy came in in great shape, really locked in a good place physically and mentally. And I thought he had as good of OTAs as he's had. Now, a lot of people are going to see that quote, Levin, and say, oh, Kyle Shanahan said this is the best spring that Jimmy Garoppolo has ever had. And they are going to ignore the part of the quote where Kyle flat out says he's only really been with us for two springs. So it's not exactly a lot of competition for that title to say, hey, this is the best spring he's ever had. Right, and that that one spring was coming off the five games he had played, earned that contract, and then had an offseason. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, he's still pretty new. At that point, I would bet Jimmy was still learning the offense because it's spring. You know, by season, he probably had the offense down pretty well. But, you know, you, you still go back to the whole Matt Ryan thing where Matt Ryan said it takes – time playing in Kyle Shanahan's offense to truly get it down completely and understand it completely. So Jimmy wouldn't have had that in that spring. This is really the first spring where he knows the ins and outs of everything going on with this team and this offensive scheme and is healthy. You know, I just, the best spring he's ever had made me think of my son. My son was playing in the yard with one of those old school, like 
cup and ball toys where like there's a ball on a string attached to a cup and you have to like flip it up and get it, see if you can get it in the cup. And he'd been playing with it for a while. And I looked at him and I said, Hey, Thomas, how you doing? He said, great. My record's won. And then he played with it for a little longer. And he, and he said, dad, I got a new record. And I said, yeah, oh yeah. What is it? And he said, two. And it's like, yes, technically you are correct. Congratulations, son. You have a new record. It's two. That's exactly what I thought of with this Jimmy Garoppolo quote about the best spring that he's ever had. Like, okay, that could also be true, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he's lighting the world on fire. And there's another aspect to this too. What do you want Kyle to say? Because there is still the aspect of the Niners could maybe possibly trade Jimmy at some point. I think it's unlikely at from what we know now, but I wouldn't throw it completely out the window. So why would Kyle say something that could potentially tank any value that he has if they are listening to offers? Hey, how's Kyle or how's Jimmy doing this spring? Oh, he's so so. No, he's never going to say that. <laughs> this is the only eh, answer he had so to say. Yeah, it, this is the only answer he had. He's not going to have the curb your enthusiasm eh, 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 type, you know, response. He's going to have to be positive. Nobody comes out and says. You know, like a rookie or a really young quarterback, sometimes the coach will come out and say, yeah, he has things to work on because that's the truth. At this point, Jimmy is what he is. So what are you, what are you going to say? And also, you're not going to get rid of a rookie quarterback that you just drafted. So it's OK to say he's got things to work on. Like like you mentioned, you don't have to worry about trade value. Uh, but I thought he set the expectations high for Jimmy. I thought he set the expectations high for everybody. He talked about Trey Lance and he mentioned something that he said a couple of times, which is basically we throw a ton at him. And when he comes in for training camp at the end of July, we want to see if he's worked on what we told him and we want to see how much has stuck and we want to see a big change. And I think that that is an important message that he is trying to send to Trey Lance. I, it almost makes me wonder like, hey, if you want to win the job or at least have a shot at the job, you're going to do it at the end of July when training camp starts. I thought Kyle set the expectations high for everybody. Look, the, the simple fact is Jimmy's not a terrible quarterback. And he knows the offense in and out. So he has a massive advantage. And Kyle is not going to want to have to limit his playbook because he has a quarterback who's still learning the offense. Not when you have a quarterback that has already proven you can win with him and knows the playbook. So to me, I take that almost 100% of get the playbook down in and out because the slightest bit of hesitation, the slightest bit of not quite remembering or knowing that this player on this option route does this is all the difference in the world in the, in an NFL game. So Trey's going to have to know the offense inside and out to the point of basically a veteran level. And that is one of the big strengths that he supposedly has is that he is very, very football smart, so to speak. And I think that that is the, the number one thing that would hold him back from starting. And I think that that is the number one thing they want to see when he comes back in training camp. Kyle said they got through the installation. They threw everything at him. So now I think they want to see what sticks. Kyle did say that they were sending everybody home except the rookies. And he said they're going to keep some rookies around longer than others. I think we know which rookies are going to be around longer than others. It is going to be the guy that wears number five. I'll be interested to see that myself, Levin, because you're right. 
mentally they fell in love with Trey Lance as a football player. And so that's going to be our first test. You know, he's going to have to check a lot of boxes in his career, even if he doesn't win the starting job this year. This is the first one. What sticks? What stays with you? And how can you take the concepts and the things that you have learned in OTAs and transfer them from the classroom, so to speak, onto the field? That is the first box for Trey Lance to check. And we are going to have to wait roughly 40 days in order to do it. Right. I mean, you want to be careful making this comparison because of how good that player became. But it really is a similar situation to Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You have a rookie, sky's the limit, a physical freak of nature. And you have a veteran who's good, but you question if he's quite good enough to truly win a Super Bowl. You know, he's one of those guys that's definitely a starter in the NFL, but isn't really a difference maker at the same time for your team. So in that mold, like, you don't want to make the comparison between Mahomes and Trey Lance because that's setting the bar too high. It's unrealistic. It To me, it's kind of dumb to do. So I'm not comparing Trey Lance to Mahomes. I'm just comparing the situation. And the situation was Mahomes sat out until the season no longer mattered, and then he got one game at the end of the year. And I think that was because they wanted to make sure that he had the time to get all the mental stuff down so that the physical stuff the next year could shine. So let's see. I'll be interested to see if Lance can get all that mental stuff down. If he can, my I mean, talk about expectations. My expectations would go way up because I'll be like, holy crap, he was able to get all this down and, you know, his rookie year, that would be incredible. Yeah, and I think that's, to me, a big reason why I seriously doubt he starts week one. Because if he earns the job out of training camp, people are going to expect MVP level, you know, production as a rookie. They're going to be unrealistic. They're going to expect a Justin Herbert type season, you know, but with rushing too. Whereas even if they're pretty equal or Trey Lance, who you think has come along far enough, If you don't start in week one, even if you install them in week two, three, four, or after the bye week, the expectations are much, much lower just because of the semantics and the way it looks. I agree with you 100%, except for the fact that Trey Lance is going to be the starter week one. (laughs) He will. I'm speaking it into existence, Levin. Um, A couple more things. I mentioned high expectations for everybody. Shanahan was asked about D'Amico Ryans, and he basically said, I think he's been ready for this job for a long time, which, again, there's no honeymoon period, no training wheels allowed for D'Amico Ryans. I mean, Kyle basically said, essentially, like he should be ready to go, a a seasoned defensive coordinator week one, and I think that's kind of how he's looking at it. I mean, does he drop Nick Bosa into coverage or what? (laughs) better not ever for any reason yeah i think the first time he does one of those you're going to get the uh you know kyle shanahan stink face on the sideline staring him down like what are you doing (laughs) we know that face well yeah i I see the opposite happening i really do think D'Amico is going to blitz a lot more he's going to be a lot more about get to the quarterback so they don't have time to run their offense couple other things when talking about the third wide receiver obviously it's uh, up for grabs so to speak and that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan said although I want to point out that as Kyle Posey wrote on Twitter the first two guys Kyle mentioned when talking about the third wide receiver spot were not necessarily who you would think number one was Richie James number two 
was Jawan Jennings. Remember that name, Levin? Yeah, and I think it. I think it's also interesting that he said that he thinks every wide receiver they have on roster right now is NFL caliber. So that if 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 that ends up being true, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. If that ends up being true, then I think you have some tough decisions about who can we confidently know will still be there if we have an injury happen. You know, if there's if there's a tough right. decision on number four or five, six wide receivers, do you cut Juwan Jennings because you can put him back on practice squad? Even though you might think he's technically the fifth best, but it's virtually equal between him and others. You know what I mean? Like that factors into these decisions. A hundred percent. That is a great point by you. When you're splitting hairs, everything counts and you have to make a decision somehow. There has to be a tiebreaker. And you're right. If you can stash a guy on a practice squad, then I think you want to give yourself that flexibility and we could see something like that happen. Kyle said he mentioned a bunch of people and he said uh, some guys that people haven't seen yet. And that's when he mentioned Jennings. My thought immediately was Jalen Hurd. I had forgotten about Jawan Jennings, quite honestly. I didn't, you know, I didn't even remember that he was still a part of the team. So there's two potential mystery men there at wide receiver that the 49ers could see. So I'm interested to see that training camp battle play out. And the last thing um, that I think is worth mentioning is the fact that Kyle said 52 players are fully vaccinated for COVID. Now, I believe, I think you said before we hit record that it's got to be 85% of the of the players. Is that accurate? Yeah, he Kyle said 85% or 77 out of the 90. So that means they need 22 more. So basically they need an entire starting offense and an entire starting defense. <laughs> Not looking good, I would put it that way. That's a fascinating thing to me because I feel like if you haven't gotten it by now, what would spur you to get it like you already know all the rules changes that would take place if you get it you already know you should know by now the health benefits of getting it like what is going to take place between now and the start of training camp where you're going to suddenly see the light and say oh yeah I guess I should sign up right and you know Kyle mentioned that you know some people have like a religious objection to it I I get that Uh, I'm not an overly religious guy so I don't necessarily agree (laughs) Uh, that religion should stand in your way of health. But I wonder how many more people haven't decided yet. Like, that's the big question to me. You have 35 people who haven't out of the 90. You need 22 out of that 35 to decide to do something that they could have already done at this point. Mm -hmm. I just don't see that happening. And there is an interesting aspect to this that I think could become part of the NFL storyline of the 2021 season, not just for the 49ers, but the NFL at large. The whole reason why we're talking about 85% is because at 85%, a bunch of restrictions uh, put on by the league are lifted. You uh, You don't have to wear masks around each other. You can have team meetings in your normal conference room where everybody's next to each other rather than through Zoom you can basically mingle and hang out a bit more. Uh, And that makes you closer and that helps win games in all honesty. And Kyle mentioned those things that he would really like to be able to do those things. So I wonder if this becomes something that among all NFL locker rooms becomes a rift of sorts because you're going to have some teams meet the 85%. And I think you're probably going to have a majority of teams not quite meet 
the 85%. And do the players who did get vaccinated sit around the locker room staring these other guys down going, I have to wear this mask because of you. I have to go home and do a Zoom conference rather than being able to sit in the damn team conference room because of you. Like, I think there is potential for some rifts in locker rooms to, to have this happen. And we do have a precursor to this. Major League Baseball is a very similar policy. Theirs is 80%. And you have seen certain players and GMs speak out a little bit, one of them being the Cubs GM, uh, Jed Hoyer, actually spoke out and said he's disappointed in his players that they have not met the 80% yet, and thus they can't do certain things that would give them a competitive advantage. And I think that that's going to be the case in the NFL. I think that... Everything you said is completely logical. I think it naturally will happen, like you said, because when guys' decisions affect other people's lives, that's when rifts tend to form. It's just, it's amazing to me because you would think if there was one team that would be more willing to get vaccinated just to avoid all the extra precautions that you have to take, it would be this team. It would be the team that got kicked out of their city and their stadium and had to go and finish the season at Arizona because of COVID. No team arguably was more inconvenienced from a football operations standpoint last year than the 49ers. So if you had to tell me that I could pick one team to bet on that was going to reach that threshold, I thought it would have been San Francisco, but I guess not. And to be honest, Levin, I don't think they're getting there. No, and you know, I'll be curious to see because I don't think there's a definite policy on this. I could be wrong. Because honestly, the NFL hasn't said much about it, nor have NFL teams. But does it affect travel? You know, this past year, teams flew in and played pretty much the same day. You know, they flew a day later than normal. They didn't get as much time to adjust to, you know, wherever they were going. So I'm wondering if you don't meet the 85%, if you still have to follow that policy. And thus, there is an actual huge competitive advantage to the teams that do meet the 85% and can follow a more traditional timeline. I just saw this on Twitter, Levin. Sam Darnold said he's not been vaccinated yet. Quote, there's a ton of different things that go into it. Somebody on Twitter, Charles McDonald, who actually just joined us on the uh, SB Nation NFL show, he said, what different things go into it? And then Josh Norris followed that tweet up with, can we blame Adam Gase for this too? I just thought that was a masterful job by everybody involved, and I wanted to point that out. Yeah, and that's what we're getting at. I mean, this whole COVID thing is one of the topics this week in uh, the NFL at large because Montez Sweet had about as dumb of a response as you can get, in my opinion. He said that he is not vaccinated yet because he has never gotten COVID, and until he gets COVID, he doesn't feel like he needs the vaccine. That's not how it works. It's not a cure. It's a vaccine. It helps prevent you from getting it. It's not a, oh, I have COVID. Better go get that shot so I don't die. Like, And the best part was he was asked about that because uh, Washington had brought in experts to help educate the players on the vaccine and provide more facts. And they asked how that was. And Montez Sweet's reaction was, I didn't like that at all. And then went on in his rant about how he's not getting the vaccine until he gets COVID. It's like, because he, and then he followed it up by saying, because there's not enough facts known about the vaccine. It's like, yeah, that's why they brought the expert in to teach you everything that they know. Like, clearly you didn't listen if you think the vaccine is a cure. 
So, yeah, Montez Sweat, um, here is the full exchange. What did you make of the way the team is bringing in vaccine experts to encourage people to get vaccinated? Quote, I'm not a fan of it. I probably won't get vaccinated until I get more facts and all that type of stuff. I'm not a fan of it at all. Which seemingly is contradictory because the expert is the one who would have the facts. He was asked, what is your hesitation with getting the vaccine? Quote, I haven't caught COVID yet. I don't see me treating I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. Okay, again, as you pointed out, that's not how it works. Have you talked to the coaching staff about the vaccine presentation? Obviously, they want everybody to be vaccinated to move more freely around the facility and with traveling and all that type of stuff. But everybody has their own beliefs and they're entitled to their own decision. Next question, how much has there been a discussion in a locker room just about all of that, meaning vaccines? Quote, we talk about it all the time amongst my peers and that type of stuff. A lot of it is going on today. It's a constant conversation that we are always talking about. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. That shows that there could be a big rift. Teams are talking about it. The players are talking about it amongst themselves. I mean, I talk about it at work. You know, it was talked about when the vaccines first started rolling out at my workplace. And my workplace isn't really affected by whether or not, you know, people get vaccinated like the NFL is. I think there is a very big potential for rifts to be caused in certain, you know, I, I think basically they're talking about it. That means that there's a chance that once the season comes, if they keep talking about it, that somebody crosses the line and gets mad or loses their temper and goes off on the people who haven't gotten vaccinated. And that creates the rift that creates a locker room that has to choose sides. Everything goes into the bucket and everything simmers. And like John Madden called winning the ultimate deodorant. And if teams are winning and everything's great, maybe it doesn't come up. But when stuff starts to go south, everything is a factor. All the contributing factors bubble up. And I agree with you. I think that at some point it's going to come out like, hey, maybe you would have known the damn play if you could have been in the meeting room instead of on a Zoom because you didn't get vaccinated. Like, I, it's very easy to me that that stuff could happen. Right. Winning teams probably aren't going to have a rift form. So, yeah, maybe the Cowboys have a rift form. Wow. <laughs> Took you a like, second there. <laughs> I, I just didn't expect you to murder the Cowboys out of the blue like that. Maybe it's the, hopefully it's the Cowboys, the Packers, the Buccaneers. Let's get rips on all those teams. What the hell? No, I want everybody to get vaccinated. Damn it. As many people as possible, even if it costs the 49ers a Super Bowl. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But that was basically the news of the day. Mike McDaniel also spoke. Um, I am going to be honest with you. I haven't listened to that yet because we had a limited window to record this. So I wanted to make sure we got that done. Uh, but we'll have more reaction to that on the Friday show with myself and Michelle Majuk. So please uh, make sure you check that out as well. Anything else you want to mention before we go, Levin? Can football get here already? Yeah, God, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears. That's going to do it for us. Again, you we remind yourself you- God. I didn't mean to, but if I did, I'm not upset that it happened. <laughs> yeah, that- you don't get a sign off after saying I spoke. And you, the person I'm speaking to, God's ears. Well, there's a lot of people listening to this, so it's not just me. Thousands of people. You heard it here first. God listens to the Gold Standard Podcast. Tell your friends. You're damn right he does. Tell your friends, indeed. Leave us a rating and a review. Smash that follow button, and you'll get all the shows, not just this show, that we do. We appreciate it. 
Enjoy your day, everybody, and we will talk to you next week.